And if there's one thing that I have learned on my journey, when I'm being absolutely, honestly, brazenly myself, that's when the best things happen. Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Hi there, and welcome back to episode 22 of A Congruent Life. I'm Andy Gray, and thanks for joining us. On this show, we explore and share inspirational stories of authenticity. Today, we're talking with Natalie Sisson, who recently published a best-selling book called The Suitcase Entrepreneur, about seeking freedom by building a location-independent business. In our conversation, Natalie reflects on her own journey to becoming a nomadic entrepreneur and offers some suggestions for clarifying and prioritizing your own personal values. Natalie is generously offering a free copy of her book to a couple of A Congruent Life listeners, one to someone who shares a link to the episode on Facebook or Twitter, and one to a random member of the mailing list. Here's our conversation. I'm talking today with Natalie Sisson, who is the host of a website called The Suitcase Entrepreneur and the author of a recent book by the same name. Natalie, welcome to A Congruent Life. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Natalie, can you maybe just to get started, sort of introduce yourself to our listeners and talk a little bit about what you do? Yeah, definitely. Um, I am a suitcase entrepreneur, so I literally live out of my suitcase. I travel the world going to new countries and exploring new places. And at the same time, I run my online business, which is really teaching other people how to do the same. So how to build a business they can run from anywhere and a lifestyle that they love. So it's a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit, I guess, about your story? How did you, how did you get to this place of uh, this kind of lifestyle? Yeah, I'd love to say it was super straightforward. You know how you hear those entrepreneurs who are like, yes, since the age of six, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But I actually went um, through school and through corporate jobs for around eight years. So straight out of university into my first job, I was working my way up the ranks. And I had a number of really fantastic jobs actually in branding and marketing and business development. But I did notice that I never was able to hold a job for more than, I didn't even make it to two years. I was just one of those people who learnt the ins and outs of that. I did my best in the role. I took it as far as I could. And then if I didn't see any room for expansion or moving up the line, then I'd often you know, quit and go traveling for a little. So it was a little bit of an anomaly like that. And a lot of my friends would be like, why'd you leave that great job? And I was like, well, I didn't feel challenged or the management wasn't great or I didn't feel I was growing. Um, and when I got to London, England, so I'm originally from New Zealand, I, I got a fantastic job on paper. Um, excellent title, heading up a new department. I got to build a new team and I basically got to go into this organization and help doctors turn into business people, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, but what happened instead was I just got blocked internally by the very people who had hired me to do that job. And it was probably one of the most frustrating years of my life. It was a I'm going to say it was an old boys club. Um, they were very backwards, very traditional and completely, completely wrong for me. And I got sold on the job through the manager that interviewed me, who was great. He was open minded and he was forward thinking. 
But I think he was attracted to me as an employee because I was the same um, big picture thinker as he was. And he thought, well, maybe Natalie can come in here and rouse these people a bit more. But it was just impossible and it, it made me so frustrated. I just got sick and tired of it. It was actually really soul-destroying. So I quit and I I went off to Canada, uh, Vancouver, Canada, to play in the World Ultimate Frisbee Championships, which is something I'm passionate about as a sport. And I thought I'd just figure it out from there. Um, so for people listening going, well, that's great. I, while I was there, I just attended a ton of networking events and got to know the city. And I, I met my business partner through a networking event over wine and cheese and we started up a technology company and uh, produced this application called Fundraiser which is now no thanks to me really um, the number one fundraising application on Facebook so I kind of went from this traditional um, corporate background to this hugely exciting fast-paced world of startups and particularly in the technology industry Um, and how I built (laughs) something from there is while I was there I actually started a blog and it was called Women's World at the time because I was really fascinated as to why there were only about three percent of women in roles like CEOs and COOs and you know heading up these businesses so I used it as a kind of cathartic tool to talk about my experiences in entrepreneurship, which I was completely new to, the roller coaster ride of the startup world, and then also to start interviewing some of these women and find out how they succeeded and what what it took and strike forward to today. And that is actually exactly what I ended up building, a, a blog, and uh, which turned into my business. So we talk to a lot of people with similar kinds of stories that make some radical change in their lives. And I'm always curious about how did you know First of all, that it was time. I mean, you talked about your frustration and the need to do something different. But but how did you have sort of that internal sense of now's the time to make a change and yes, I can do this? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I honestly was just pushed to the brink. And it's funny now because if I look back, I view those times as kind of, oh, that was, you know, a, a really interesting job and it was a great challenge. But if I go back to how I felt in the moment, it was just the day that I wake up and I don't want to go to work is a pretty major day for me. Like I'm a very positive person. I'm very proactive and very motivated. And I just started waking up in the morning, not excited about going into work at all and really just not willing to push back against people and battle the very people who had hired me. So it became this kind of, I could just see it like this drudge to go to work. And I realized I was pretty much stuck in the rat race. And that's specifically so in London and the financial area and also in some of those more traditional organizations. So that to me was a pretty big sign. I had never experienced that in my life. I had always been in jobs that I enjoyed and I felt that I could grow in. And so this was just, I was actually just pretty miserable for me. Um, I noticed my energy levels dropping a whole lot of stuff. I just got more stressed. It wasn't, I was snapping more, I, everything. Life life didn't look as rosy. So I think that was the thing that really, I woke up to that and I was like, okay, why, why am I doing this? I have the absolute freedom and choice to leave this and live life on my own terms. So how were you able to bridge that common gap between somebody else providing you a paycheck and the sense that, you know what, I really can make money in a sort of an independent way and I can do it online and I can do it on my own terms and I can invite all this kind of freedom into my into my world that I want. Uh, I wouldn't say it was easy, but I am pretty determined. So for me, I was like, you either do this now or you do this never. And I think that's the scariest thing for people to kind of get over. They they keep putting it off until conditions are perfect, until they have enough savings in the bank, until the right moment appears. And quite honestly, you have to create that moment. So nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to say, here you are, here's your perfect life on a platform. Um, 
And so I guess I just really thought, you know, I've amassed a lot of skills. I feel more confident in my abilities. I'd been working in in our startup as a co-founder for um, almost 18 months, which is still very short to people who are probably listening to this who have been in roles for five years. But I'm like one of those people who sort of accelerates through. And I felt like I had enough of the baseline skills to go out and do it on my own. But in terms of your question about how did I feel about no salary? That was a big, scary thing for me. I'd always been very independent. I'd always been good at saving. I'd always had a decent income coming in. And so to stop that was a very scary moment. And I had a lot of moments where I would uh, be very fearful and I'd have to push through that fear and go, well, if you go back now, you can always get a job, right? That's the thing. There's always a a backup plan, so to speak. Um, You can always turn back to going back to work. You can get friends to help you out if you really need. You know, there's always ways of being able to support yourself. But I was determined to kind of wallow in that fear and that sense of no income coming in for almost six months, which was pretty scary because I thought if I can get through this, then I'm never going to turn back. You know what I mean? Like if you can get through that and keep going, then you're always going to have that sense of hustle and determination to, to make life what you want it to be and I think if people can push through that period it's pretty amazing what comes out the other side Um, so that's that's how I went about it personally I decided to kind of wallow in that feeling and go I never want to be in this place of not earning again and I never want to be relying on other people to bring me in that income so it was just something that I decided to face it seems like you're involved in all kinds of things. You're all over the, the internet and all sorts of different forums and so <laughs> forth. But it seems like uh, most of your work today is around um, s- sort of serving as a coach. Yeah, it's actually, I make money through my blog and my business now in around four ways. So yes, I do one-on-one coaching and all of this is online through Skype. It's pretty neat. I have clients around the world. Um, And I also do group coaching programs that are sort of a higher level, higher price um, that go on for a number of months. Uh, I have digital products and programs that I have created around helping people to build an online business, use social media, use online tools to do that. Um, I make money as um, an affiliate marketer, I guess. I used to hate that word and I used to think it sounded terrible. But basically, I use a lot of online tools and programs myself self in order to run my business and I love them and I couldn't do my work without them. So I've become a fan of their work and I will receive a commission if, I, if somebody buys through me to use the same tools that I use. So that's pretty cool and that's become a pretty lucrative form of revenue over the years just because I've built up all this credibility and trust with my audience and they know that I wouldn't promote anything I didn't love. And uh, more recently as my community and my business has grown, I've actually attracted some pretty cool sponsorship partners. So those are the kind of the ways now that I uh, make money. It's pretty pretty diverse and I like that. I think it's good to have different forms of revenue stream coming in so you don't have to rely on one or the other. And as an online business person and somebody who lives out of my suitcase constantly traveling, it's smart for me to have more residual forms of income that kind of happen in the background once I've put up the upfront work um, and then some forms of active through the coaching. So I like I like the distinction between that. So how about from kind of a personal perspective, you, you know, you're describing this nomadic lifestyle that you've chosen. And can you tell us some interesting stories about um, how that that freedom resonates for you, how that is part of a sort of an authentic lifestyle for yourself? Yeah, well, it's living and breathing it, right? So um, for some people, I'm sure it must sound very strange to live out of a suitcase and just keep on moving. But it's something that I chose for myself, because personally, it's 
in the truest sense of the word, freedom for me. Um, and I've been doing it for around three years full time now. And I'm definitely starting to figure out my style of travel and my propensity for adventure. And I think it's changing as I get older. Um, I do believe that it's lovely to spend a little bit more time in one place than to continually shift on. But it's more the fact that you can structure your own day exactly how you want. You can work on the things that you love and you can do that in all sorts of different locations, whether you choose to work from home, a cafe down the road, or you choose to go and, you know, work in an airport or just take off for a month or two to some sort of brilliant destination that you've always wanted to go to. And that that for me is the exciting thing. That's what I really wanted to work towards, to have a business that allowed me to do that. Ultimately, I wanted to build my business to have the lifestyle that I wanted. So that was how I prioritized everything that I did. And I think I've done that pretty well. And that's what I love to help people to do as well in whatever way, shape or form that looks like. So as I know that everybody doesn't want to travel all the time, but they just want more freedom to do what they want when they want with who they want. The mission of this Aiken Group Life Project is really about sharing stories of authenticity. What would you say that living authentically or congruently means to you? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think to me, it just means being very true to your own values. I see a lot of people putting aside their values to either make money or to please other people. Um, and for me, I've done quite a lot of work, a lot of inner work around, well, what do I value more than anything in life? Um, and I recently did this again, actually, and independence came out as the number one thing. Um, creativity was second. And interestingly, for me, I thought it was quite interesting, um, friendships and honesty were third and fourth. And when you're constantly traveling, one thing is that you start to miss is that you're not always around your friends, the people that really support you and um, give you energy and you can give energy to them in return. So for me, it's always about staying very true to those values and living life in accordance with that. So anything that moves me away from those things, I tend to feel a bit icky about and definitely try and um, sort of move them out of my life. So I think if you can get really clear on what it is that's important to you, that's how you live authentically by living and breathing the values that you're aligned with. When you're working with people, uh, maybe in a coaching sort of context or, or in other ways, do you have some recommendations on how to go about clarifying and, and prioritizing those values? Yeah, that's a really good question as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the best books that I ever read many years ago was Awaken the Giant Within by Anthony Robbins. Have you read that book? I have. Yeah, did you, I mean, it was pretty profound for me. Maybe it came at a time when I was really open to it. And, you know, there's a lot of value in that book. But one of the things that he talks about is um, is prioritizing your values. Like what's really important to you? Is it family? Is it um, free time? Is it being... Uh, is it being grateful for things every day? Is it nature? Is it authority? Uh, all these things that you just don't think about. And there's a whole list of values from memory in that book that he will actually list out. And then you kind of gets you to go through and rank them and really look at them and, and say, well, is this actually truly a value that is a priority to you? Or is it just something that you think about? Um, on top of that, I used to ask my friends and family a lot. I'm a big one for asking other people for input and feedback. I really like that kind of community um, feel. It's how I work with a lot of everything I do on my blog and the products and things that I build. I always get people's input. And so I guess I asked my friends as well, like, what do they think that I represented? What were the values that I held in high esteem that they could see from externally? Um, so I think it's always a work in progress, but you'll know when you're not living within your values because something will just feel really horrible or in the pit of your stomach or in your, your gut feeling will be like, oh, this just doesn't feel right to me. Um, 
And so it's just really listening into that more, your intuition and just how you generally feel, like what is your body reacting to and your mind when you're doing something that's out of alignment with your values. Um, So I would say Awaken the Giant Within is a great book and there's quite a few tests and things that you can do online as well. there's another great book. I think it's called Strength Finder 2.0, and it's it asks you to go through what you think your strengths are. So for me, I have an insatiable appetite for learning, and I I really believe that to grow in yourself and to focus on some forms of personal development throughout your life is really really smart because it allows you to better understand yourself, and by doing that, allows you to understand others and for them to interact more freely with you and get a lot more out of your relationships and your friendships and everything that you do. So I would really recommend for people to do some more work on themselves because it's something we seem to put aside a lot, I think. We focus on everybody else and other things, but we don't focus on ourselves. It seems like there's some potential tension between the values that you expressed with freedom and this nomadic lifestyle and connection. You know, you, you mm-hmm. listed friendships and, and relationships as, as important. You've mentioned that several times now, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, have there been some tensions for those in, in your life? And, and how do you how do you sort of balance those two things between independence and connection? Yeah, great, great point you've made there. Uh, it's it's more come to me recently, I think, because as I said, this is sort of three years full time living out of a suitcase, and every time I go to a city or a place, I meet these wonderful people, and then I move on. Um, I actually have to say that social media has been a a godsend for me because it really allows me in many ways to stay connected with people from afar you know in an instant you can look down a news feed and see on Facebook somebody's had a baby they've got married they're traveling they've just got a new job they've just been awarded some degree so it, it may sound strange but that's kind of my immediate tool for reaching out and staying in touch with people um, I also use Skype video a lot for calls with connecting with my family every single week um, with people in my community with other entrepreneurs so I really attempt to use those tools as much as I can and then whenever I'm in a new city I make the effort to call on the people that I really want to see and it's just become more important to me I guess as I've become happier in myself and also in the work that I do to make more time out for those people to go on retreats um, to make special times of the year when you all meet up and you hang out together and that's a really good thing because you have to be surrounded with the right people as you probably know there's a saying that you are the sum of the five people that you hang out with most and for me I'm often hanging out with myself (laughs) and there's not five of me so I have to obviously go around make sure that I'm still connecting with these people that I find are really important in my life. Um, Did that answer the question? Yeah it sounds like uh, great advice whether or not you're traveling a nomadic or not. Uh, Some great strategies for staying connected to people that are important to you. Yeah, and a flip side of that is to sort of, this may sound a bit harsh, but is to move people out of your life that are vampires. You know, they're sucking your energy and time. And I think a lot of people, especially when you stay in one place, you tend to sort of keep the same friends for a long time, but you don't often evaluate whether they're still um, being a great friend to you and whether you're being a great friend back, whether they're providing you with the energy and the support that you need and they're challenging you and stretching you. And, you know, they really make your life better. And I think travel is a wonderful way to see that from a different perspective. And I I just wrote about it on the blog today. When you do travel a lot and then you go back home, you often find people seemingly have stood still and they're doing the same old stuff. And sometimes that can be great. And for other times you can kind of come back and go, oh, I feel like I've changed too much. I've grown as a person. I've expanded my mind and now I don't. I don't get on as well with these people or they don't offer as much to me. So I think it's really good to evaluate your friends and your contacts quite regularly in your network and make sure that you are definitely surrounding yourself with the right people. 
Natalie, what would you consider to be some of your notable failures and what have they taught you? Haha, <laughs> I've had several. Um, failure, if you can learn from it, is a great thing. Failure for failure's sake is not so much fun. It's never fun to be failing, but I do think that it means you are at least pushing yourself and stretching those boundaries. And a lot more people fail than we make out. So what I would consider some of my uh, well, one of my great failures was probably my second ever product launch. And for me, that was pretty critical at the time. I just moved to Argentina. So I moved away from my entire network in Vancouver that I'd spent years building. I decided to take my business on the road as a test. And I decided to also launch a product within two weeks of arriving in a completely new continent country that spoke a totally different language. And, you know, the launch just was really stressful. I felt very isolated and alone because I didn't know many people there. I didn't know the language as well as I thought. And the internet wasn't great. And so all these factors kind of built up to make it pretty stressful on top of a launch, which is many moving parts and is quite an undertaking. And I remember I, I thought it was probably one of my better launches yet. I'd done a great video. I'd really taken time to put in great design, excellent content, market it well, or so I thought. And I launched it to the world. And within 24 hours, I think I'd made one sale. And I just remember... I just remember crying, actually. I think I just cried and plonked myself down on the bed. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like by that stage, I'd maybe been running my online business for about seven or eight months. But ultimately, I'd really just been building community for five or six of those and then expecting to launch a product and do well. Um, and it was really just failure within my own head because that product actually went on to become a really great selling product. And I just was wanting instantaneous gratification, I guess, that I'd done the right thing. And that's not how it always works. Um, so over time, over the next couple of days, days, more sales came in and I got great feedback. But in that moment, I felt like the biggest failure in the world. And so I've learned as an entrepreneur, especially as a solo entrepreneur, even though I have a team now, I didn't back then, you really have to um, celebrate anything, you know, just getting anything off the ground, making one sale is really exciting, especially when you're starting out and to not be so hard on yourself. I think ultimately people who are in business for themselves have very high expectations of what they want to achieve. And sometimes those are completely possible, but other times there's a number of factors that you aren't in control of. So I still have very high expectations of myself and others, but I've learned to celebrate the wins and the losses. And I've learned to have, uh, when I launch anything or do anything that's big and scary, I generally tend to have three goals aligned to it. So must get, um, I'd be happy with that result and this would be blowing it out of the water. And and looking at that, I have a kind of scale of from zero to awesome that I'm happier to sit within. So that's how I've managed those kind of Failures or things that didn't go quite as well as managing my expectations better and being a little more realistic, having a big vision, but being more realistic about what's possible. You recently wrote a book. Congratulations on the publication of your book. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about uh, about that process? You know, what, what motivated you to write a book and, and what was it like to embark on that journey? Oh, my God. It's actually, somebody said it's like birthing a baby, which I have not done. And I, I think kind of... It, definitely is. It's a huge undertaking. Uh, writing a book in itself is a hugely challenging but very rewarding process and I really enjoyed the writing process and then marketing it and launching it is a completely other dimension especially if you're doing it self-publishing which I did. So um, the reason I wrote the book is I think 90% 90, 90 of people in this world apparently want to write a book um, and very few of those people do. 
And ever since I'd been a kid, I'd wanted to write a book, but I wasn't really ever sure what it would be on, whether it be fiction or nonfiction. And I felt with this business that I've run now for, you know, almost three years, I really felt that I'd come to understand what it was that I did, that I wanted to help people create freedom in business and adventure in life, that I wanted to inspire them and reach them on a bigger platform. And to me, a book was a perfect tool for that. You can get it into the hands of so many more people who may never have heard of you. You can spread the message. They can consume it and hopefully it'll change their life or add to it or help them to take action. So that was always the vision for it. And I finally felt that I had enough knowledge and wisdom and a story to tell on how people could do this through my brand and through my blog. So I wrote it actually in a pretty quick amount of time compared to many other people. I sort of started, I mean, honestly, I probably started thinking about it last year when I wrote a book proposal for a publisher that approached me and their reaction was, this is great, but it's too, it's too soon. People aren't ready for this, this location independent stuff. And I was like, what do you mean they're not ready? Tim Ferriss wrote the four hour work week in 2007. It's like, this is already too late. So I decided then and there to to self-publish, but it took me probably about a good another year to get onto that because it was a big process. And then I wrote the book as a combination in uh, Malaysia in um, February, more in the Philippines in March, and then a big chunk of it in Berlin during May and June. So it was kind of a three to four month process. And uh, I actually did it. I had a, a goal to get the draft done by my birthday, which was in April, and to have the entire book completed before the World Domination Summit, which was in Portland in July. And I did it. It's great to have a goal and it's great to hold yourself accountable to it and um, from a self-publishing point of view I ran a Kickstarter campaign to say should this book be written like do you support it is it worth writing and I had it 120, 121% funded I had close to 200 backers say yep write this book and we're going to invest in it so uh, that was kind of my celebration to myself was these people have stepped up to support it I got um, you know what I would consider my publishing contract and I could go ahead and write the book and publish it and cover some of the substantial costs that are involved so Strike forward to now, it's been out uh, just over three weeks, I think, and it became a number one bestseller on Amazon last week, and I was just blown away. I was like, what? And I didn't even didn't even know somebody else had to point it out to me. I wasn't doing a very good job of tracking. So it kind of made everything worthwhile, and a big part of that has been my community, but there's a bunch of people who'd never heard of me who are reading it who are just giving the the most amazing reviews. And as an author, that's probably one of the scariest things is you put your heart and soul into something and you release it to the world and you hope like crazy that people are going to love it and value it. So I'm thrilled. Well, congratulations. That's a, that's a pretty amazing success. How are you reaching the folks that haven't heard of you? You know, you know this you have this new platform now. You have quite a, an online community, but there are a lot of people, as you mentioned, outside of that community who are starting to discover you now through this book. How are you reaching those folks? Well, I, my book is on Amazon, Nook, and Kobo. So, I mean, Amazon just allows you to reach millions of people straight off who might not have heard of you before. And I guess that's um, recommendations rising up through the ranks, um, listing in some of the categories uh, quite high up the ranks. So people will actually find your book. And Amazon's a very smart platform. It will say, if you're reading this, you should read this as well. So I think I'm starting to be found in the search results there. Um, outside of that, I've done a lot of work around the launch. I've been on a book tour um, to various parts across North America, and I'll be taking that further. Um, but also I've been guest posting on other sites with related audiences. Um, I've been doing some advertising, some marketing, and just outreach. And the interesting thing is people are also doing a lot of this on their own 
um, off their own back really. They've found the book and then they share it from Amazon and then they talk about it on social media and they share it out to their friends and networks. And that's just the power of social media right there to be able to spread stuff that matters. So part of it's me, but part of it is also if you do something really epic and people find value in it, they're going to talk about it on their own right. So I'm just, I'm really thrilled that both of those things are happening and um, people are stepping up to kind of say, you know, hey, I love this book. Um, and I get daily messages and Facebook posts and tweets and it's quite incredible. So I'm just trying to keep track of all that and make a, make a note of it and consume it and also share it as well because um, social proof is obviously really important it's not me it's about who, who can I help and who are the who am I serving basically and if those people are helping me to get that message out it's a pretty beautiful thing you had a pretty successful experience uh, running a Kickstarter campaign to get this project underway, this book project underway. What was your experience with pursuing financing essentially through through Kickstarter and is this something that you would recommend for others? Yeah, I really, I really liked it. Um, I ended up writing a book about it, how to fund your dream on, uh, sorry, how to crowdfund your dream on Kickstarter, because as a platform, it's probably one of the biggest. And I think it's excellent for people who have a project um, that's worthy of doing that. Books are good, art projects, etc. Um, even people who are creating new games. So it's always about something that the public are going to love or it's going to be useful and valuable for them. Um, but there are over 500 crowdfunding sites. It's pretty crazy. And a lot of those are specific to certain areas. So, um, you know, some of them are just great for startups and others are great for artists and others are great for musicians. Um, I think the whole crowdfunding platform itself is pretty special and it's allowed a lot of people who never could have got access to any kind of funding before the opportunity and the tools to do it um, through the community. So I'm sure most people know what crowdfunding is, but that's exactly what it is. You say, here's this thing that I'd love to produce and I don't, you know, I, I need some money or support to do that. And if you pledge, then you actually kind of buy into this idea and they get rewards out of it. They get a piece of the company or whatever is produced. So for people who backed my Kickstarter, they got obviously a copy of my book, whether it was digital or paperback, they might get an autograph copy, they might get the audio book. Some people got to be on the editorial team, some people got a mention in the book, then there were sponsors of the book tour. And it's just really neat. So yeah, I think it's a hugely important tool. I don't think it's going to be around in the same format for that much longer. I feel it's getting a little saturated and people are going to have to be a lot smarter about how they use it. But the ultimate way to succeed in it is it does help to have a community, even if it's a smaller one, a community to get started and help you spread the word. Um, it's just much easier. It's a community-based platform. You do have to have some sort of savvy at marketing. You have to understand that you can't just launch it and expect it to go really well. You have to keep reminding people about it. You have to keep being in front of people. You have to talk about it all the time. You have to talk about the message and the vision that you have for it um, and help people to spread the word, make it as easy as possible for them with click to tweet or Facebook posts and copy and paste stuff. And you kind of have to do that for the length of your campaign, whether that's two weeks or 30 days or 60 days, because, you know, nobody's really going to do that for you. And if it's a really great project, people will start to spread the word for you. But it's a, it's an undertaking. It's almost like a full-time undertaking to raise money in any capacity. So I think it's great that we have the power in our hands to do that. And I really, really like the idea of crowdfunding for people. So what's next for you, Natalie? You've got this book published now, this big project that you've birthed. And what uh, what are you excited about in your world now? 
That's a great question. I'm really excited about spreading the book um, much further and being able to then go on um, some speaking tours around that and really some more intimate audiences and some bigger ones to talk about the message of why I think there's no better time than now to create freedom in business and adventure in life. Um, and later this year and into early New Year, I'm going to be creating my first flagship program, which is going to encompass all the, the digital guides and programs that I have and really create a very strong community of freedom seekers. So that's my next step. Um, I haven't announced it to anybody, so you're hearing it first right here. But that's my vision is to have one overarching um, program and community that people will come to know the suitcase entrepreneur for and create this kind of community around the world of people who can reach out to each other and help each other to build their online businesses and also the lifestyles that they love so I'm really excited about pulling everything that I've worked together over the last three years into something all-encompassing and and building a movement from that my, my long-term vision is by 2020 to have somehow impacted either indirectly or directly a hundred thousand entrepreneurs to create their own online business that they love Love that big, audacious goal. That's great. You got to have them. How can our listeners engage with you, Natalie? They can come across to suitcaseentrepreneur.com. I would love to say hello. I have all my social media um, links on there to Twitter and Facebook and Google+, but that's a great place to start. Um, and they can even sign up for my High Flyer, where I provide weekly tips on building a business you love and obviously a life on your own terms. But really just come across and say hello. Read. I have a lot of free content, my blog posts, my videos, my podcast, and come in and say hi. It's a pretty cool community there. Is there a final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with about authenticity? I love the quote from Oscar Wilde, which is, be yourself, everyone else is taken. And if there's one thing that I have learned on my journey, when I'm being absolutely, honestly, brazenly myself, that's when the best things happen. So don't hide behind anything else. Don't compare yourself to other people. Just be truly 100% yourself, quirks and all. And that's how people will actually come to love the work that you do and what you stand for. Well, Natalie Sisson, thanks very much for spending this time with us and congratulations on the publication of the book. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Natalie Sisson. If you'd like a free copy of Natalie's book, please share this episode post with your friends on Facebook. Please also join our community mailing list, which you can find in the upper right-hand corner of the page for this episode at acongruentlife.net slash 22. We'll soon be giving away a copy of Suitcase Entrepreneur to one person who shares the episode post on Facebook and to one person on the A Congruent Life mailing list. So please join now. Thanks to Natalie for sharing copies of her book with the A Congruent Life community. Thanks again for being here and listening to A Congruent Life. I'm so grateful you're sharing this journey with us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at a congruent See you next time.